You know, 10 months ago, we made a decision to redefine our direction. We knew there would be ups and downs this season. We knew that we would encounter some things that were going to be difficult, and we did. Uh, with that said, I think we're in a, a better place today than we were at this time last year. And I think we have an opportunity to grow as an organization starting today. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Levine, he goes right. Oh! Stop it, Samson! Did you not get the memo? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Here's Cantor. What are you doing? The finisher in New York City. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. We're going to preach patience. It doesn't mean we're not going to be looking for ways to get better, but a lot of it's going to come internally. We need Zach Levine to be a better basketball player. Chris Dunn to come back a better player. Lowry Markkinen, Bobby Portis, you go down the line. They have to put in the time and confident that they will. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Like I said at the beginning, I feel better today about our, our direction and our position than I did a year ago. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're live on Dash Radio, dashradio.com and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, we're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley, writer of Bulls basketball and the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com and College Hoops over at SB Nation. Along with me is Matt Peck, host of Bulls Outsiders on NBC Sports Chicago and a host of the 312 show on AM 1590 WCGO in Chicago. Follow us on Twitter on, at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck and at LockedOnBulls. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash LockedOnShyBulls. And subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Our text and voicemail line is at 331-979-1369. Hit us up there. Got plenty of voicemails to to go through. Another four or five voicemails to hit on and a bunch of text messages following up the Warriors loss and just some of the stuff from this weekend. So with that, Matt, let's try to scrub our brains here on Halloween. And maybe you have to do that by eating an excessive amount of candy today. Uh, Let's try to scrub our brains of Monday nights and what we saw there and focus our attention a little bit on this Nuggets team. I I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. What's up, Jordan? What's up, Bulls Nation? I don't know what you're talking about. What happened on Monday night? I, I I have no recollection of Monday night. Um, it's just it's just an t- entirely blank slate. I think I got uh, uh, neuralized from you know one of one of the Men in Black guys or something. Nope that that that, that game never <laughs> happened. Um, yeah, no. I mean, not only are the Nuggets uh, not a scrub team, they are right now looking like one of the best teams in the league. I mean, the only loss the Warriors have so far came at the hands of these very same Denver Nuggets that are coming to UC tonight. They look like a very well-balanced offensive team. Nikola Jokic looks like a guy who's absolutely on his way to being a first-time All-Star. The guy's close to averaging a triple-double. And Gary Harris, that name sound familiar, Bulls fans? Yeah, he's off to a great start this season. You know, Jamal Murray, also a very talented player. And, oh, by the way, they have the fifth-best defense in the league right now which is not something that usually is synonymous with the Denver Nuggets, but that is a fact. It's crazy. And this Denver Nuggets team, the Bulls gave them a pretty good run last year. I remember, you know, outside of Will Barton, I think dropping like 41 on the Bulls last season when they visited them in in Denver. Uh, But 
it should be an all right matchup. I mean, I don't know how the Bulls are going to play defense again tonight against, like you had mentioned, Jokic. And then not only on top of him, but the, the guard tandem and what they're going to do to stop the three-pointers. You know, that was something that I think the Warriors exposed the Bulls a ton on is the fact that they could just step back from the three-point line knock down a three from basically anywhere they wanted. And, you know, you saw that with the Charlotte Hornets, too, on Friday night. The reason why that game got so hot out of hand is the fact that, yeah, they went over 10 shooting from the beginning, but they ended up over 40% from behind the arc. And so the combination of not having any bodies in front of the rim to protect there and then no protection at the per- perimeter, I don't know what the Bulls are going to have to do tonight in order to stay in this one I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe be shooting 60 or 70% from the field at halftime. Like, that's where we're at with this Bulls team at this <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah, well, and we have also already seen this season a game like that where the Bulls were shooting over 50% from not only the field, but also from the th- behind the three-point line, and we're still losing. Like that, that That is the thing that happened already this season. Uh, so I, I I don't see the Bulls being able to slow down this this Nuggets offense at all. Uh, across the entire season, the Nuggets actually haven't been very efficient from behind the three point line. But they, you know, Jokic is a big who can knock down shots. You mentioned Will Barton; he's been very effective from behind the three point line. Uh, Monte Morris, you know, a point guard coming off the bench for them, he can knock three threes down. And then other than that, it's just going to be Gary Harris attacking the paint. Jamal Murray attacking the paint. Those guys have both been very effective around the rim so far this season. And the Bulls, as we have seen, their transition defense is non-existent. It's not terrible. It's non-existent. So those guys are going to be a giant problem. And uh, there's no rim protection for these Bulls right now. So here's here's another really tough task for the rookie Wendell Carter Jr., who is going to be you know, tasked to not only try and protect the rim at times when guys like Harris and Murray break down their defenders off the dribble, but also switch out and guard Jokic around the perimeter, who is not just a guy who can knock down the three as a big, but a very gifted passer and facilitator for this Nuggets offense. It's going to be a headache of a night for Wendell, I think. Yeah, and he's he's given no help. No help at all. You know, Bobby at least gave the energy and the, the efforts that you need to stay halfway decent on defense, but you're not going to get that from Jabari playing the four. You're not going to get that from Hutchison playing the four. Like if Fred runs out that line, that front court of Hutchison and Carter to start again tonight, which there has been no word that he's going to switch that up at all. So I would imagine that's what the Bulls are going with again tonight. You get no help around the rim. And when you have to go up against Jokic and you have to go up against Paul Millsap, who's actually had a pretty decent season so far, it's a tough task, again, for the Bulls' front court. So, yeah, Jokic averaging 21.5 points per game. Gary Harris averaging 20 points per game. Jamal Murray, 16.7. Will Barton, 16.5. And Paul Millsap, 11.5. So all all their starting five is in double digits as far as scoring goes. And if you look at their three-point percentage too, 42.1%, 26.9%, 31.3%, 55.6% from Will Barton, and then 25% from from Paul Millsap. So the common theme here is the starting unit can knock down threes in a pretty high clip too. So Wendell Carter Jr., Zach Levine, Jabari Parker, all of these guys are going to have to be main core pieces to stay in this game tonight. And is it a question about potentially slowing things down for the Bulls because you saw on 
against the Warriors on Monday night. The Bulls were trying to keep up with the Warriors' pace, and it just wasn't working. It was getting thrown right back at their faces. You know, every time the Bulls came down and shot up a shot, the Warriors were back down the floor within five seconds, drilling a three. So is it is it a thing to look at for Fred Hoiberg with the depleted roster that you have to maybe start to try and slow things down a little bit tonight if they get a little bit out of hand as far as the pace is going, or just continue to try to run with these other teams that clearly are I doing mean, it way better than the Bulls are? It's kind of a... Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because, yeah, like we have seen the Bulls' offense um, work efficiently when they are getting out and running and pushing the pace. And uh, their half-court offense is not great. Their half-court offense, depending on who's out there, is either Zach Levine going ISO or Jabari Parker going ISO and ending up with a long fadeaway two-pointer. Like that, that, that is the half-court offense for these Bulls right now. It's not pretty. Um, they, they they can't run with these Denver Nuggets. I think they'll try because, th- I mean, at at least when they are pushing the pace and and trying to get the ball ahead to some open shooters, and uh, you know, finding moments where Levine can facilitate for others, uh, even though that's not his strong suit right now. That's kind of the options we have. Um, I I don't think the Bulls are going to be able to get enough stops against this Denver team. I think they're going to try to run with them, and I think they're going to get run off the floor should change the theme of the team from run with us to <laughs> I don't know chase with us I don't know <laughs> at this point they're doing more chasing than they are running but looking at the the at, at least at least run is more accurate than win you know <laughs> that's true it's very true the lots of but running can, not a lot of winning but lots of running the Denver Nuggets 109.6 offensive rating and 101.4 defensive rating. Their offensive rating puts them 12th in the league so far. And their net rating at a positive 8.2. That's good enough to be at least in the top 10, which puts them at third overall in net rating. So not only are they efficiency efficient on the offensive end of the ball, but they're also efficient on the defensive side of the ball too. So... Uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough task, and uh, you know Gar Foreman's going to be in the building tonight because Monte Morris is going to be here, Iowa State alum. He's got to he's got to scout his prospects and a potential you know deadline deal if he can go out and get Monte Morris as a guard because you know for sure Gar's looking at Monte Morris is like oh if he has a good night maybe we should go out him Iowa State Iowa State gotta get him. So I don't know. On top of all of that, man, I, I it's it's. It's you know I said to forget the Warriors game on Monday, but it's left just such a bad taste in my mouth that it's hard to look for any positives. I think the one thing that I got to look at here is you know the Bulls got crushed, like they got crushed not only on the floor but by the media, by everybody that's been talking about this game. They got straight up embarrassed. So how do they respond to that? I think is going to be my key to here. Even if the Bulls do lose tonight, how do they respond tonight? How do some of these young players come out and respond? Do they just give up and, and show exactly what they did on Monday night, where it's just kind of running through the sets, letting guys chuck up shots? Are they actually going to give a damn and, and try to compete with this Denver Nuggets team? And maybe it just comes down to talent too, but the effort's got to be there, and it hasn't been, and that's been the common theme so far to start the season. Yeah, and I mean, you heard Hoiberg's comments saying he liked the way that they bounced back on their Saturday game against the Hawks in that second end of a back-to-back after their embarrassing lackluster effort and performance against the the Hornets on Friday over last weekend. So he liked how they responded after their blowout loss to Charlotte, and he kind of has said after this game against the Warriors, we'll see how we, we respond. I liked our response after our 
previous blowout loss. Um, and, you know, the I think I said this on yesterday's show, the, the blowout loss to Charlotte was worse because that is not this that is not a team equal to the caliber of the Warriors. The, the blowout loss to the Warriors was expected. Their poor effort in both games was bad, um, but the effort, the poor effort and the blowout loss to Charlotte is more inexcusable. So we'll see how they respond. Certainly, you know, they have to be embarrassed by that. They, the, the Warriors, as as a team and as individuals, were setting records all over the floor, on the Bulls' home floor on Monday. Um, guys responded different ways. Personally, I, you know... I think most everybody that we heard from in that locker room after the game said what they needed to say. Um, Fred was very uh, accurate in his analysis, saying, hey, we got our asses kicked. The the one person who worries me, who has been worrying me all season long, as far as what he has been saying when you know to the media, when he gives the media time, is Jabari Parker. I, he just sounded like a guy who was very depressed when he was answering his questions, you know, the video is all over Twitter right now where he had, you know, maybe three questions at, uh, sent his way and he was just very brief in his answers. One of them he didn't even respond to. He said, next question. I, I think that the guy is is screwed in the head right now. And uh, yeah, he had some points in garbage time in that game. But for all of the criticism that's being you know thrown on him in his hometown right now, I am very curious to see what kind of game Jabari Parker has tonight because he sounded disinterested and completely removed from we need to bounce back from this as a team with his post-game words on Monday night. Yeah, I don't I don't know what's going on with him either. And this hasn't been a great start, and it's been just straight downhill since he signed. You know, he was at the top of the hill with $20 million, potentially his starting spot on this roster. Everything was going all right, and then preseason hits. He plays terrible. The Bulls suffer some injuries. He gets moved to the second unit, doesn't embrace the second unit. And, you know, the comments he has made before in the past have been twisted and turned on him, but to his own fault at all, you know? It's to his own fault and nobody else's. Like, when you come out and say you're not going to play defense, you don't get paid to play defense, it doesn't help your case, man. And I know it's been kind of a pile-on effect here for Jabari Parker, and we've kind of mentioned that. It's gotten to the point where you kind of feel bad for the guy, but at the same time, dude, you're making $20 million. $20 million to be the guy that's supposed to be the third or the fourth piece to this team and without with injuries you're supposed to step up man this is your opportunity it's kind of just slipping away so I don't know man I I said it yesterday too I'm kind of tired of talking about him because he doesn't give anything to us he doesn't give us anything uh, of worth reacting to at least so I don't know if if it's just a change in environment and something's going on in his personal life whatever the, the case may be it's not translating to the floor to a positive side so yes I am super excited to see how he responds to this game and you know the Bulls need him they need him because without him it's just Zach Levine by himself, and you're going to get blown out every single night. So at least you need something out of Parker. Whatever it is, you need something. Yeah, and whatever's bothering him, if it's starting or whatever it is, or not starting, I should say, he's got to get his mind right because he looks like a player and sounds like a player whenever he talks to the media who is not right in the head right now. One last thing that I kind of wanted to mention about the Nuggets tonight. 
you know, the one thing that I thought the Bulls were going to be all right at this year and granted the injuries, you know, I feel like we have to, we have to use that as a, a preface to everything that we say about this team so far. But the one thing that I've struggled with is the rebound percentage of the Bulls so far this season. Like they were not a bad rebounding team last year. And while you don't have marketing, you don't have Portis, you don't have Dunn, um, they're still 27th in the league at 47.7% per game in rebound percentage. You know where the Denver Nuggets sit right now? At the top of the league at 53.6%. So you imagine how hard it's been for the Bulls to grab rebounds and giving away second chance points by not boxing guys out. That may may very well be the case tonight against this Nuggets team, who is very, very good at rebounding. And two guys in their front court who are very dynamic and very versatile. I think it's going to be a huge struggle for this Bulls team tonight. But that's going to be the biggest worry for me yeah, tonight. Yeah, 41.1 rebounds per game for the Bulls, 28th in the league. It's really funny, um, you know, watching a lot of these Bulls pregame uh, shows for NBC hanging out with the the Bulls outsiders before these tip-offs. And pretty much every night, we'll produce key to the game for the Bulls has been rebounding. And now it's becoming kind of a joke because guess what? They are still awful at rebounding. And when you're a team that can't actually play cohesive team defense and you can't play transition defense, at least get some rebounds. Not only can the Bulls not play defense, but they can't get rebounds. So they're giving teams second and third scoring opportunities and my goodness that's how you see a team giving up 120 points per game I don't know what the Bulls are gonna have to do tonight you know rely on Zach Levine dropping 40 tonight other than that though this is gonna be another uphill battle and like we had mentioned you know the hey maybe campaign can break Clay Thompson's three-point record And you had mentioned, I just want to follow up on that Atlanta, the comments about Fred Hoiberg saying that he liked the way that they bounced back in Atlanta. Like, dude, look, it, it, it's it's Atlanta. It's the Hawks. I watched that Hawks yeah. and Cavaliers game last night. That team is so broke, and so is the Cavaliers. They Both of those teams are absolutely garbage, and a bounce-back game against the Hawks, that doesn't really say all that much about your team. But the energy, I think that is the, the biggest thing that I – that I'm concerned with with this team is the fact that Fred has come out multiple times and said, you know, our energy wasn't there tonight. Our our effort on defense wasn't there tonight. Guys just kind of gave up. Your head coach shouldn't be coming to the podium in the first 10 games and saying, yeah, our lack of energy just wasn't there tonight. Those guys outplayed us tonight. Like at the very least with all these injuries and all these young guys that are inserted into the roster, energy and effort should not be a problem, and yet it is with this Bulls team, and I just don't understand it. Yeah, I, I mean, and that's kind of something that we will continue to monitor when it comes to Fred and his job security because, and I think it was uh, mentioned in Casey Johnson's most recent mailbag for the Trib, uh, you know, people wondering, you know, is is Fred already on the hot seat? Is he going to be fired soon? And Paxson said to us at the beginning of the season, it's not going to be about wins and losses when evaluating Fred this season, but it will be about player development and putting in legitimate effort every night, watching our guys play hard. And in the loss of the Warriors and in that blowout loss to Charlotte, the effort wasn't there and Fred called it out. So, you know, some of it's on the players themselves to get themselves ready to play, and some of it's on Fred and his staff. So, collectively, how will they respond? They, like, you know, they responded to Charlotte blowout by beating a disgusting Atlanta team, like you said. They now have to respond to being even more embarrassed on their home floor 
in that game against the Warriors with a equally tough task. Not not equally. You know, the, the, the Nuggets aren't the Warriors, but they are a very good team. So bouncing back, quote unquote, to put it generously, won't be that easy this time. Yeah, you're going up against one of the most talented teams as far as individual players. And now tonight, you're probably going to see one of the best teams as, as far as team oriented goes and how they play as a team together. And that's the Denver Nuggets, at least so far this season. But if you want to read more up on tonight's game, maybe some of the struggles, some of the comments that Jabari Parker has made, Darnell Mayberry, Steph Noah over at The Athletic have done a fantastic job of breaking these games down so far this season. Right now, we partnered with The Athletic to give our listeners 40% off a 12-month subscription to The Athletic for only $2.99 per month. That's 40% off the regular price for our listeners. Simply go to theathletic.com slash lockedonbulls. That's theathletic.com slash lockedonbulls. If you don't know what The Athletic is, it was founded here in Chicago, is a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for the diehard fans. No ads, no pop-ups, no autoplay videos. Subscribers have the access to local coverage of all five teams here in Chicago as well as national coverage from writers like Seth Davis and Ken Rosenthal and more. Theathletic.com slash Bulls for 40% off. Do that right now, $2.99 a month. It's so worth it. Darnell Mayberry, Steph Noah over at The Athletic doing a great job covering the Bulls. Be back here in 60 seconds on Lockdown Bulls. Stay with us. Back here on Locked On Bulls, 331-979-1369. Hit us up there on Twitter, at Locked On Bulls, on Instagram as well. Facebook, too, if you want to hit us there. Let's see, Matt. Let's take some voicemails, see if the fan base is a better gauge on where we should be going from here, what kind of questions that they're having after seven games. Because I feel like we had a lot of really great questions on Friday's episode from some people looking at this Bulls team from different perspectives. So with that, let's start with our first voicemail of the day. This comes from a conversation we had back in the summer. Hey, Jordan and Matt. It's Alex from Evergreen Park. And my question for you guys relates to the episode over the later half of the summer when you guys got in a pretty heated argument about the comparison of Devin Booker and Zach Levine. So, Matt... Do you believe that Zach is now on the same talent level, level sorry, as Devin Booker? I repeat, the same talent level. Not saying that he's better than Devin, but do you think he's on the same level of talent as him? Love the show, guys, and go Bulls. All right, thanks for the call. So Devin Booker, Zach Levine. I got a lot, a lot of shit for this back in the summer. You called me crazy, said you're ridiculous. Devin Booker is 100% the better player than Zach Levine is. The comparison shouldn't even be there. And now, Zach Levine, yeah, has had two nights where he hasn't scored 30 or more, but all of a sudden, that offensive game looks mildly closer to Devin Booker, at least to start the season. So I'm not ready to just completely say, okay, I'm right, stamp it on there, stamp Jordan Malley's approval. It is a for sure fact, but it's hard to hard to ignore, at least at this point, what Zach Levine has been putting up as of offensive numbers compared to Devin Booker's, at least I uh, mean, through the first three yeah, seasons I, of his career. Okay, cool. Zach Levine, so far through, what, eight games, six games, looks to be a equally offensively talented player as Devin Booker, who 
Um, just FYI, not going to play tonight or uh, not expected to play tonight in that uh, Spurs-Suns uh, game because he's battling a hamstring. But he's averaging 28 points per game. He's got a player efficiency rating of 21.16, um, tacking on 6.8 assists per game, 4.5 rebounds per game. Um, is Zach Levine averaging 6.8 assists per game, Jordan? Because no, he's not. So, yes, Zach Levine right now looks to be as deadly of a scorer and a, and a number one scoring option on a bad team, much in the same way that uh, Devin Booker has been for the Suns. But, I mean, all I said back earlier this summer is that Zach Levine hadn't shown us that and that at that time, Devin Booker had a larger resume of being a dominant scorer than Zach Levine ever had. So maybe... This season, we see similar numbers. Zach, you know, right now is averaging just under 30 points per game, um, as is Devin Booker. They're kind of right on par there. But again, I will highlight that Devin Booker is also a facilitator. And Levine is being asked to play that role right now with Chris Dunn being out and campaign being much better off the ball than a guy who should never, ever dribble a basketball ever again. But, I mean... Levine's not going to average close to seven assists this season. He's just not. So in that sense, I still believe that Devin Booker overall is the better talent offensively. To Devin Booker's credit and to no knock on Zach Levine at all, the Phoenix Suns don't have a point guard. And so they've kind of tried to transition Devin Booker into that role this season. And I think that's why you see the uptick in assists. And you're right. If that's the only knock, though, is the fact that Zach Levine's not getting 6.8 assists per game the way Devin Booker has through his first four. Zach Levine's at 3.1 right now, and I think stepping up from where Zach Levine was last year or at the beginning of his career, where he was only averaging like one or two assists per game, if we get a slow increase in that, I'll be happy with that. But overall, the shooting numbers are there, man. The scoring numbers are almost identical. It's crazy. Zach Levine and Devin Booker, Zach Levine 28.1 points per game. Devin Booker, 27.8 points per game. You get their field goal percentage, 50.7 point percent for Devin Booker, 51.9 percent for Zach Levine. Their three-point shooting numbers, almost identical, 38.7 and 38.6. So all of those are pretty similar. The rebounding numbers, Zach Levine's a little bit better at five rebounds per game to Devin Booker's 4.5. Even their offensive defensive rating are pretty similar, almost on par with each other. Devin Booker, 109 offensive rating, 118 defensive rating. Zach Levine, 110 offensive rating, defensive rating 120. So basically, at least what we've seen so far has said, yes, at least the conversation can happen. And Matt, it wasn't just you alone. We had callers all summer calling us and telling me that I was crazy. Had people tweeting at me, said I was insane. But the numbers, at least so far, have made my comparison at least validated. It's allowed to be a conversation and not just something that crazy that I've been throwing out there. So, yes, you you are right. Being a facilitator is an important part to an offense. And Devin Booker has stepped up his game. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be something uh, interesting to watch all season long and uh, see where they stack up as far as points per game. Um, and their efficiency on the offensive end with field goal percentage and true shooting percentage and things like that. Um, but I'm, you know, I'll, I'll stick to my prediction that uh, when it's uh, you know when the season is a wrap, Devin Booker's collective offensive numbers, including what he does passing to his teammates and making his teammates better and making his teammates look better. Uh, will still have an edge over Zach Levine. Next voicemail. This one comes from the 773. Has a question about Cameron Payne's shot and also wants to follow up on the Charlotte Hornets. 
Hey guys, I just wanted to quickly uh, ascertain about uh, Campaign's jump shot. I'm I'm really confused when I'm watching him shoot, especially when he's in the corner uh, and you can see him facing, you can see his face while he's facing the basket. It looks like when he lines up, he lines up as if, like his body's not squared up to the basket. He lines up as if the basket is in fact at the free throw line. Um, I know I shouldn't complain if his jump shot actually works because lately it has, but that has been weird. Have you guys touched on it on the show at all? I'm not entirely sure. My memory's terrible. Um, that's that's about it. I also wanted to address uh, the Locked On Hornets crew who got upset and said that the Bulls only made headlines last season when Bobby Portis punched Nico. But I mean, at least they made headlines. I don't think I don't think anyone's paying attention to, sh- to the Hornets outside of Charlotte unless they're from Charlotte, and even then, I mean, I don't think many Bulls fans even know who MKG is or what year he was drafted and what pick they were trying to get. They were trying to get Anthony Davis. Anyways, um, yeah, that, that's about it. Uh, thanks for the show. Bye-bye. All right, thanks for the call. Yeah, this is um, interesting. So maybe the way, and I was saying this to you, Matt, too, is, Maybe what you're seeing from Cameron Payne's shot, it's obviously not traditional at all. Just the way that he holds his arms, the way he holds the ball. But he's also a left-handed shooter. So that might be the reason why you're saying, like, that kind of looks weird. It looks a little bit different. But it definitely is an odd and a weird shot. He kind of lines up his left shoulder, like, almost pointing to the basket. Anytime you watch him take a three or any shot, he's, like, lining up his left shoulder to aim at the basket. And I don't know if that helps with his follow-through or not, but... Uh, that's kind of my analysis of Cameron Payne's shot. It is a little bit weird, but if it works for him, yeah, then it as works opposed for him. to Clay Thompson, um, who we saw just pouring in threes the other night at the UC, who has, I think, in my opinion, the greatest form in the NBA right now when it comes to the purest way that you are taught to shoot a basketball. Clay Thompson is the definition. So quick, Cam- too. Oh my goodness, it's beautiful. Um, at campaign, you're right. So he's a lefty. So that always looks a little bit weird because the average majority of, you know, NBA players shoot righty. Um, but he, you know, you're right. His, and it's not only his shoulder, his left shoulder that he leads with facing the basket, but his feet. If you look at his feet, they're not lined up square facing the hoop. Um, and it's very noticeable when he's taking those corner threes from either of the corners. Um, just, you know, look where Cam, campaign's feet are on the floor. Uh, and what they're squared up to, because it's definitely not the basket. Um, so it's it's a non-conventional shooting form. But hey, if it's working for him and Cam can actually be a semi-reliable knockdown shooter, because as we've discussed, with done out, Levine being the primary ball handler and Cam playing off the ball as a shooter, so far has looked far more, uh, you know, far far more pleasant and far more f- effective than asking Cam to handle the ball. Uh, so, you know, whether or not his form looks weird, if the shots are going in, the shots are going in. Yep, I agree with you. And just to follow up on the Hornets thing, look, we had our fun with them. Uh, it was nice to see the Bulls get a win, especially the way that they did in the final seconds on Wednesday. So we definitely had our fun with them on Twitter, but they gave it right back to us when we got blown out at their place on Friday. So we've got two more games up against them this year. But yeah, the overall arcing theme here is like really... 
it's baby brother, baby sister syndrome with the Hornets right now. They just want people to pay attention to them. They've got Kemba Walker, their one and only superstar they've had for like the last decade. So yeah, I mean, they, they've got to take, we've got to take our wins where we can right now in a rebuild and same with them as an organization overall. So yeah, that's where I stand with the Hornets. I, I mean, I, I'd, I'd rather wake up a Bulls fan than a Hornets fan any day. Two, you know, 365, 24-7. I, they're irrelevant. The Bulls might be a laughing stock right now, but they have one of the biggest and best fan bases in the world and one of the richest histories in the world. Talk to me about the uh, the rings that the, the Charlotte Hornets have, and then, and then we can get this conversation going again. <laughs> All right, next voicemail up. This is Chris from Phoenix. Hey, what up, guys? It's Chris from Phoenix. Originally, uh, he was ruled Illinois. He was great to DG. Um and really quick, I want to address the whole pizza uh, debacle. I, I mean, deep dish is obviously better. Uh, it's insanity that that's what the poll results ended up being. I mean, I, you figure it would be 98% to 2%, and that 2% would be just weird, just weird people. But what are we going to do? But anyway, I just had a quick question. What do you think Fred Hoiberg had to say after the Warriors annihilated the Bulls? Like, any. What do you think he? What do you think he had to say before the game began? And then, what do you think he had to say at halftime? And then, thirdly, what do you think he had to say after the game was done? Like, do you think he? Do you think he got upset at all at what happened at the game during the game? Do you, do you think? Was he expecting a loss like that? I mean, that's one thing. But this, the lack of effort was insane. And I just want to know what you guys think is happening with that because. He should be fired, in my opinion. I don't. I mean, he, he's an all right, uh, an all right coach, but I don't know. I just wanted to see if you guys thought about that. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you for everything you guys do. Podcast is amazing. Um, Bulls Nation, all the way, man. Bye. All right, thanks for the call, Chris. Following up in his. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> thank you, Chris. Finally, a Chicagoan who knows what the hell he's talking about. See, that's a. Com- completely different conversation though taste i would agree with that like the taste of the pizza yeah, is great. that's what i'm saying you, you the way you lined up and worded that poll like you just made yourself a shoe in to win that poll because nobody eats deep dish on a regular basis you're just angry that, that the thin crust here the thin crust crowd here is trying to make their way into the city of chicago and known so whatever I, and dude look dude, chicago thin crust is also good it is it, you we're, know, we're everybody wants to argue point. like New York thin crust, New York style thin crust versus Chicago Garbage. deep dish, and that's its own debate. Chicago thin crust, square pieces, you know, uh, like a uh, like a corn breaded crust, all those quality ingredients that you need on a thin crust pizza with thick, meaty toppings. I love me a good Chicago thin crust, but come on, it's not better than deep dish. It's just not. Yeah, the cracker crust here in Chicago is one of its own. It is definitely awesome. Yeah, and I think the one thing we can agree on here is New York pizza is disgusting, man. I I can't I can't do it. Can't do it. You know, it's like eating a uh, a thin piece of cardboard like it was just dunked in grease. Like, no thanks. I'm good on that. <laughs> but uh, to get to his real question about Fred Hoiberg, um, this is an interesting one, man. So what did he say before the began the the game began? I don't know, go out there and not let Steph Curry or Clay Thompson break any records, like legitimately. Um, what did he say at halftime? Guys, I don't know, just don't let him go out there and break that record. And after the game, I bet you he didn't say anything. 
You know, I would be so pissed off and so embarrassed as if I was Fred Hoiberg because there's only so much he can do. And if the guys out there on the floor just don't give a shit at, at that point and are not going to give effort, what can he do? Pull him? He doesn't have anybody to put out there. And he was pulling guys at the end and just letting whoever at the end of the bench go out there and play. So, you know, Fred Hoiberg's probably pissed off, but he's not going to scream and yell the way Tom Thibodeau did until he got blue in the face. Like, there's that, not that... That's not the coach Fred Hoiberg is, and like it or not, he's not no, going to do that. He's he's never been a rah-rah coach. He's never been a coach that screams at his guys the way Tibbs does. And, um, you know, as as for Chris's question, you know, we don't know what Fred said to his guys at halftime, but it, you know, it, it clearly wasn't anything that prevented Clay and the Warriors to keep doing what they were doing. And, um Fred didn't even, to his credit, try try to bring up. Well, you know, like we we stayed in there and we, you know, we won the second half. No, because he knew that that was empty. That didn't mean anything. Technically, we didn't quit. Whatever. It was more so about the Warriors knowing that they were rolling away with that game. Steve Kerr emptying his bench and saying, "All right, we're done for the night." So, I, you know, I, I, I wish that Fred Hoiberg was a guy who could motivate his guys further because we're only, you know, we're fewer than 10 games into the season and more than once now we've had to talk about how the effort was poor. If you're a team whose talent is lacking and you need to out-hustle and out-effort your opponent on more nights than not, then talking about a lack of effort should not be a thing that we keep hearing. So I don't know what Fred needs to do differently, but something needs to change. Because the the Bulls can't be shorthanded in talent and lacking in effort. Because that is when things will get ugly. And that is when Fred might be out of a job. Yeah, and it, it, the one thing I will give Fred Hoiberg credit for is at least we're getting a little bit more real. I think last year we would have heard him come out and say like, yeah, second half, we won the second half, blah, blah, blah. All that, that garbo that we don't need to hear anymore from him. He was basically straight up and just said, you know, we got our asses kicked. I don't know what more you guys want me to say about this game. But look, I think, you know, you can clearly see this is taking a toll on him. We said it yesterday on yesterday's show. Like, you got to feel for him in some capacities. Like, he doesn't have anything to work with here. But at the same time, man, you've got to try to do something to stop these guys. Get on somebody. Like, something's got to change because the way it's going right now does not work. So, yeah, I don't know. we got a follow-up voicemail here, though, that that's touching on Fred Hoiberg, too. So I want to play that right away. Hey guys, this is uh, Sean from Iowa. Um, I guess I got two things. Number one, uh, Fred Hoiberg probably won't make it till Christmas. He's been called out numerous times by his players, and they're not showing any effort, um, which will go, I guess, in what Cleveland did in firing Tyron, uh, Tyron Lou is that they they don't um, they need a new voice. They don't believe in Fred Hoiberg, I believe, and I feel like they're not going to give the effort um, to even try to win games or even make anything pre- presentable. Um, two, um, you guys keep talking about tanking, 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 tanking. With this roster, we're not going to make the playoffs anyway, and having the worst record won't give us the best chance in making, um, getting the number one pick with the new lottery odds. So why not just put your guys out there and just let them play, let them get the experience, which I, I believe is best for them to get the playing experience and just instead of sitting up here trying to do like last year and have the, the worst record possible, just get them out there and let them play because they're not going to make the playoffs anyway. So I don't think we have to actually try to tank. 
just play them. Play a system. Um, get them into something. Get a new culture because, like I said, Fred Hoiberg, he's not going to last, and they need to come up with a new game plan. Uh, love the show. You guys have a great day. All right, thanks for the call, Sean, in Iowa. Uh, so, yeah, he doesn't think Fred Hoiberg's going to last till Christmas. And that's saying that you probably have Markinen done Portis Valentine all back for about a week or two leading up to Christmas. So we're talking about, I just, I, I don't know what good it does to fire him right now without giving the opportunity of at least seeing what he can do with the guys fully healthy. Like to evaluate him off of bench guys, I don't think is necessarily fair, nor is it the way that I think the bulls are going to want to go. So I would say I'm cautious about the fact that him being here at Christmas is probably still on the table, but if we're talking about trade deadline last month of the season, that's where you could see it if if all the guys come back healthy and they're not playing well together at all. But the other thing that he, he did say too is guys don't seem like they're buying into Fred, what Fred Hoiberg's selling to them. They don't seem like they're rallying around him anymore. And do you feel like some of these players, just from the comments that we've heard, kind of have, have lost their faith in I mean, Fred Hoiberg? I, it's possible. It's. I mean, I I don't know who and like who is and who isn't buying into what Fred is selling on this Bulls roster right now. Um, at times, you see them try to play the style that he wants them to play, with you know pushing the pace and all of that. But the the ball movement has not been great offensively, and of course, we know that Fred Hoiberg is anything but a defensive specialist. So that's not really even on him. That's been Jim Boylan's task this season, and he's not doing that well either. I, I mean, I I have never been a believer in Fred Hoiberg as an NBA coach. I just don't see it. Yes, he's been given a lot of shitty hands and a lot of roster turnover, but even on any given night with the game plan for who the Bulls are playing and who he has at his disposal, I I see more evidence of him making the wrong choices as opposed to the correct choices. So if, if Fred does get the boot this season, it'll mostly be because the front office needs another fall guy because of another roster that they made that didn't work. But there's also credence for Fred getting fired because he's just not a very good coach. I agree with that. You know, it's 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 coming to fruition more and more as we see throughout. And like, I don't think anybody can survive what Fred Hoiberg's gone through, even if it, he is their guy. Like, it, at some point, something's got to change, and you can't cut every all fifteen guys on the roster, plain and simple. And the front office isn't going anywhere. So, where do you look for? It's at the head coach. And you know what? It, it might turn out to be if Fred Hoiberg does get fired throughout the season, then it, Jim Boylan will step in. He'll do his job for however long, and we'll see where we go at the end of the season. But, yeah, it seems like the fans have completely checked out on Fred Hoiberg now. And, you know, just from some of the comments that the players are making, it doesn't sound like they fully buy in, fully invest into what Fred Hoiberg's trying to run. And, you know, that's come from your best player on the floor and Zach Levine a couple different times already. It's come from Jabari Parker, but that's not really a shocker. So, I don't know. I, I, I would say... If there's anything I'm confident about, at least that I think Fred Hoiberg will make it till Christmas, till at least he gets the the core pieces to this roster back in the rotation, and at least you can see what he does with that. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, th- they might give him that opportunity um, and, and not fire him until that we actually get to see Markinen playing with Wendell in the front court and Chris Dunn and Zach Levine trying to share a backcourt, you know, a, 
really the for the first time for real, other than a very small sample size last season. Um, and uh, you know who knows if if uh, if the start is really ugly, they may, they they may already have their mind made up too. That's another possibility. They may be saying what they say to the media and giving Fred a vote of confidence. They may already have decided that this, this is Fred's last year and that they're going to look somewhere else. I don't know where their search starts. I'm guessing somewhere in Ames. You know, who was, who was, who was Fred's assistant coach back when the Cyclones were relevant in men's basketball? Um, I, that's, that's a sarcastic answer. I don't actually think that that's <laughs> where they'll go. Um, but, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's anybody's guess how this shakes out with Fred and uh, his job security. But because people are talking about it, it clearly means it's not very secure. The last thing that I wanted to mention, because we didn't mention it any time this week, and I think it's important, not from voicemails or anything, but what's going on at the end of the bench? Robin Lopez has privately expressed his frustration of not playing and being demoted from his role uh, as far as this Bulls team goes. Uh, Casey Johnson said Lopez privately was frustrated enough by the demotion that he has had several closed door meetings with members of the coaching staff source said Hoiberg in particular has drawn internal praise for directly diffusing Lopez's frustration and Lopez goes on to say what NBA player wouldn't want to be playing Lopez said but I realize we're trying to do what's best for the team right now obviously the last time we saw Robin Lopez was in Dallas we drew a technical going to the bench, screaming at people, screaming the dropping F-bombs, and it wasn't a good show. But you kind of feel for a guy, a guy that went from starting in the last eight, nine, ten seasons of his career to just completely off the bench. But look, Robin Lopez has fallen off a cliff as far as efficiency, as far as productivity on the floor. He's looked like a guy you can't even go out there and throw out there for 8 to 10 minutes a night. And that's why I think you've seen Felicio and you've seen Carter and you've seen Parker. And it's only going to get worse when Markinen and Portis get returned return for for Lopez's playing minutes. Well, yeah. And, you know, Casey also mentioned um, in that mailbag that Lopez, in addition to Holiday, still available, still up for grabs all day, every day. Um I don't. I don't think that either of them have a great trade value. And you know, if if Robin is sitting because he can't even per, you know prove to be more useful to this team than Felicio at this point, his trade value is zero, net zero. So you know, I I, I don't know. I, I it doesn't seem likely to me that the Bulls will be able to find a trade partner for him. But you know respect Rolo for being a pro and saying, you know, I'd be a jackass to not support my teammates because when I'm out there, they're supporting me. So he's going to be the dutiful soldier and he's going to ride the bench until some bodies get back um, or until Felicio proves that he is uh, closer to useless as opposed to useful. And Fred has praised his effort right now. And clearly effort is one of the things that Fred's looking for. Yep. And, Shout out to Robin Lopez for the fact that he dealt with it internally as far instead of going to the media. Obviously, it would have been fun for us, but still, I think he respects his teammates enough. He respects Fred Hoiberg enough and respects the Bulls organization enough to go and try to deal with this internally. So, um, yeah, I don't see Robin Lopez, any suitors for Robin Lopez. And same thing goes with Justin Holiday, at least for right now. So. I think their positions are going to stick and it'll be something to monitor, though. We'll see if, if you know, if Wendell Carter Jr. struggles still, Felicio struggles still, if Robin Lopez is sitting there kind of angsty and wants to get back into this rotation and show that he can be a player. But for me, I'd rather not see that. Like we've, I'm done with the Robin Lopez experience. experience. 
I'd rather see the young guys out there that are going to be on this roster longer than him. Just just have Robin Lopez creating, like, to make him the social media content manager for the Bulls. While he's <laughs> as long as he's still here, because all the stuff he does on social media is great. Um, late night snacks with Henry. Put out an episode every day. I would I would watch that every day. All right. Well, I think that's gonna about do it here on Lockdown Bulls. You can follow us on social media at Lockdown Bulls at Jordan C Malley and at Bulls underscore Peck on Twitter, Facebook facebook.com slash Lockdown Shy Bulls on Instagram at Lockdown Bulls. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Our text and voicemail line. If you want to hear yourself on the show, if you want to be a part of the conversation, hit us up. At 331-979-1369. We're live on Dash Radio, DashRadio.com and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, we're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern at 9 a.m. Central Time. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy Nuggets and Bulls tonight. We'll be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. 